good vibes. A good evening. I do not attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. The Knutsons. have taken control as to bring you this special show. Who are the Knutsons? Only good vibes. Only good vibes is the plan. Only good vibes, good vibes. Okay, this is called the Knutson Effect. Hi, how you doing? You all right? All good. How are you doing, Richie? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad, thanks. We're liking that setup, Richie. We're liking that setup in the background. Yeah, this is my, this is the studio. This is where I do my YouTube videos. Yeah. And stuff like actually, that. Uh, I watched your your studio tour earlier on in your YouTube page. It's it's quite an impressive setup you've got in there. <laughs> it's all right. It's it's one of those things that I've been kind of tweaking over the years and just kind of got better and better. The more I've kind of done it, the more I've kind of just invested in stuff, and you find out what what works and what doesn't. So. Awesome. Loving that sign in the background as well as that everyday hustlers. Yeah, yeah. It's just a vinyl sign on the wall. Yeah, I got it done a while ago. Um, yeah, I, I, it just, I, I like that. I kind of like the logo. I thought the logo was quite cool. And I thought, yeah, I'll just get it on the wall as well. So. Nice one. Is that your label, Richie, Everyday Hustlers? You release music out on that? Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I, I started it about three years ago I think maybe probably we had about uh, 12 releases on it and I kind of took a break from it because there was just so much going on I didn't have the time to kind of properly kind of do stuff with it and yeah. I've only kind of I only kind of wanted to kind of do stuff when I actually have stuff I want to put proper effort into it rather than just slamming releases out which yeah. is why I kind of was I was very picky as to what I signed to the label and um, and yeah I kind of took a break from it for a little while but in the new year I'm going to be uh, relaunching it with some new new tracks of my own. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So have you been keeping yourself busy this year throughout the whole coronavirus pandemic? Yeah. I mean, God, it's 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 been made me productive. Like the first like month or so, I don't know how you guys felt, but like the first month it was like, oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. gigs are gone and all that kind of stuff. But then it's kind of, then there was the uptake of people, you know, hitting the studio and making stuff and, you know, trying to collaborate online and learn stuff and everything else like that. So, you know, where, whereas I would have been out gigging and doing stuff like that, I was actually doing just so much more online. Like I saw my YouTube stats and my YouTube subscribers just shoot up with the amount of people that were just learning stuff and looking at stuff. So, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty crazy. So I just, yeah, I threw myself into making content for YouTube, mm-hmm. um, doing some more courses, doing some more stuff for Pioneer and things like that. Yeah, just kind of keep myself busy. How about awesome. you guys? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. So you've been keeping yourself busy with the tutorial side of things as well. You've got loads of great content on your YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, I've just been pumping it in. Like, I started the year off. I, I, I set myself a challenge uh, last December to do um, a tip a day in January. So every single day was a new quick tip. And that's so why I had to record literally, what was it, 30 tips? In, you know, and I, that was a real kind of, that was a real drive to get that all done. And I was still halfway through July trying to find the last video to go on July. So yeah. that was kind of what pushed me really into it. And then I just kept... I kept going. I tried to try to keep doing, you know, keep up with the content and yeah, it's crazy. I, I've jumped God knows how many subscribers this year, which has been really cool. So yeah, um, yeah I, I like to keep myself busy and I get a lot, I get a lot of joy kind of doing that kind of stuff, like putting the tutorials out there and things like that. So yeah. good fun. 
Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned the amount of free time that we all had, and I finally realised this year that I will never, ever get everything done that I want to get done. You know, that way it was like, <laughs> I even had two months pretty much off furloughed near enough from work, and I still couldn't get everything done, Richie. I just kept adding more to the list, you know, that way it's like, I'll do that. Yeah. And realised that I, in a lifetime I'll never get everything done that me, or especially what me and John wanted to. But that's, in- the, that's, that's the thing. I mean, you end up you end up with all these ideas, and you think, "Oh, I'm going to do these ideas when I get time." And then that yeah. time comes around, and you realise you still don't have enough time to get it done. So there really isn't yeah. enough hours in the day, no, or the month, or the year. It's <laughs> It's interesting as well that you, you were mentioning the amount of people that were getting involved in tutorials and production because I don't know if it's just me, but the surge in music that seems to be coming through right now is just insane, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's strange really because uh, I know a lot of like the big artists, well, not even just big artists, a lot of artists are sitting on a lot of music because especially with club music, there's not mm-hmm. too much point in putting club music out at the moment because there isn't clubs to go to. Mm-hmm. To. but it has kind of opened the door to artists making stuff that maybe they wouldn't normally do so more experimenting a bit more and you know playing different genres and stuff which is why kind of a lot of um a lot of kind of uh, yeah a lot of people are kind of coming up with not necessarily pop music but stuff you can listen to on spotify rather than necessarily you know hammering club music yeah we were talking to uh, Mark Knight a while back and he said uh, the same thing though. People are kind of concentrating on just getting back to making like music again type thing instead of really mm. working on the club tracks, getting back to making those kind of timeless tracks again. Yeah, well, it's songs, isn't it? That's the thing. That's, I think yeah. that's what they kind of, everybody's kind of getting back to actually writing songs rather than just writing a club banger that's going to do the job for maybe a couple of weeks and then somebody's going to move on to something else and I've always had this argument that like you you, you won't remember half, well 90% of the tracks you've played in a year because they're just so disposable and I think what Mark's probably on about is the fact that it's you know you, people want to buy, write stuff that's memorable when we when we start thinking about songs and dance tracks especially that are, are memorable we're going back five, ten years to kind of think of something that really sticks in our head. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think the if anything, hopefully this is kind of this is kind of, this what's happened in, in happening at the moment is kind of making us really focus on writing good music rather than necessarily just stuff that works in a club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've also had to be a lot more sociable this year. Usually we just hide in dingy, dark clubs that, you know, we don't really have to talk to many people. But now me and John have had to come on camera and actually talk to people. So it's been a, it's been a daunting experience, but we're getting there, Richie. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I, 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 the amount of people that I used to teach, uh, like at a DJ, um, DJ production school, and uh, the amount of people that used to come up to me and say, you know, well, we've seen your videos on YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. How are you so professional? How can you just do that? And I said, it's just, it's just a case of, just doing them <laughs> like the more you do them just the better you get it's not you know it's, it's not it's not rocket science it's just the fact that you do it more and more and it just become easier and easier to kind of yeah. talk to the camera and present stuff and talk about stuff like the whole idea of me standing in front of a room of people teaching them how to do production or whatever you know what 15 years ago would have scared the living daylights out of me but you know it's one of those things you kind of work yourself up to and you only really kind of do when you do it the same with gigs i mean god most djs are introverts and 
when it comes to uh, you know a gig, you know most most producers don't don't ever like talking to people. But when you're out on on the on the decks, you're playing to you know five hundred, a thousand, five thousand, you know people. Yep. You're not an introvert then. You know you're, you're right <laughs> out there on the main stage. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Actually, very true. yeah, I think people have just embraced it in different ways this year, haven't they? And just tried to make the best out of it, really. Now. But what we've also noticed with the people we've had on the show, they, they refer back to the tutors because you've really come into your own, you guys, with uh, helping inspire people while they've had, had the time to write new music. And we like to pay respects to guys like yourself who've uh, put the effort in to help pass the knowledge on, you know? Yeah. I, I, this is the thing, like, I mean, people always, I think people, I think producers mainly get worried about all their kind of secrets, all the things they do. They think that's what makes them. And if they tell anybody no secrets, yeah. they're not going to be good anymore. They're not going to have the edge because it's very hard to have the edge in this in this kind of industry. You know, to be to have that one thing that nobody else has got. And I think by you know by not sharing their techniques and stuff, they think they're kind of guarding all of that and making. But, but you know, with me, I mean, I can do it. I can do a tutorial video on a technique that I've been using for years. But yep. people aren't going to make the same music that I do instantly. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just kind of showing what I've kind of learned, and you know, I'll be onto something else. I'll have five different techniques, you know, that I've been doing. And stuff. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I did, I did a video, I think, on on my setup, my kind of my Ableton template, how I kind of start a track up. Mm -hmm. I did the video on that earlier in the year, and I've completely changed that. Like in the last like two three months, I've completely changed the way I work. So. <laughs> That's going to be a brand new video in the new year because awesome. I'm con like anybody else. You're constantly learning. You're constantly evolving. So yeah. I don't think I don't, this is the thing. I don't think putting content out you should be so guarded about because mm -hmm. you'll always move on to something new. You'll always find something new that you that will give you the edge. That will give you, you know, that extra little bit. So, what's um, what's your level of process as well? Like, see, when you're you're talking about your pro progressing with the way that you produce your tracks as well, what's your kind of learning process to take that to that next level so you can then pass it on to somebody else? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not like uh, I mean, you do have music courses in school where they are quite linear as to what you what they teach you, but you can learn all that you know, kind of online by YouTube, via, you know, different things here and there. And you yep. kind of piece it all together. And I think, I think that's the thing. I mean, I, I can't, I, I'm always learning bits from different people, YouTube videos, all the live streams that have been happening recently, watching like Disclosure making a track or whatever. You kind of just, you kind of, you watch one of those videos and you might pick up that one little tip that yep. finally kind of fills that little gap in your knowledge. And you're like, that's it. That's how I do it. And it might be the smallest thing, yep. but it means it, it, you know, it takes you from 90% to hundred percent. You know, it's just that little extra bit that kind of fills in your knowledge. And then you kind of have a, a fuller package, but I'm, I'm constantly learning stuff from other people and just picking stuff up as I go along. Like um, I've just started recently doing engineering for other people and I'm writing songs rather than necessarily writing, you know, club bangers and stuff. So it's a whole different process and I'm learning different skills to be able to do that. So mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's kind of, you know, learned everything. And, you know, I don't think anybody's ever popular game. They're always learning. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, me and John have spoken about this before as well. It's all about uh, just managing your time well and focusing on certain skills each time. I think you can get overwhelmed quite easily as a, as, a, as new producers with the amount of content that's actually out there and the amount of uh, the st stuff that's a software that's available to you. It's quite overwhelming at times. Yeah, 
Oh, this is the thing. I mean, everybody's got a different level as well, like a different level of understanding. I mean, you might have somebody who doesn't really know how to use a computer, you know, starting music production, or you might have somebody that's been using a computer, you know, doing web design for years, so knows how to use a computer, but again, doesn't know how to do music production. So you've got different levels of, you know, people starting out at any point. Like I think DJs will obviously, I think, have a head start when it comes to production because you already play songs and you're already kind of analyzing how they work and on a dance floor. So you've kind of got that knowledge already. So yeah. I almost feel that's like, that's like a, a quick start almost. But yeah, there's different levels all over the place. I'm trying to piece all that together as a nightmare. Just trying to find that starting point anyway. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, I think I still think people um, think about it too much. Like people think about, oh, I must do this course to be able to start. I must do these courses. I must learn this. I must learn that before I can start. I, when I first started producing, there was there wasn't even YouTube. So like I was just, I just had software that I found on the back of a magazine, and I yeah. just played around with it and saw, saw what came out. YouTube. You know, it's yeah, exactly. Like the real cheap ones, the, the <laughs> terrible bits of software that were that the. the you know, at the end of the day, if it inspires you, if it kind of gets you going and gets you interested down that route, then it's great. And I think, you know, it's just a case of, I, I, I don't know, I think people, a lot, a lot of people nowadays are, are very impatient. They want to they want to know how to do something, all of it, right away. And I think yeah, you've just got to experiment. I think that's the, that's the key to it all. Just pick it up and play around with it and see what I think that's the thing as well, though. Like, there's, there is no set process to do things. You know, there's no one way that everything needs to be done. Because the more you can watch to what yeah. other people are doing, like you say, you're picking up just little bits and pieces that maybe stick out for you and you add that into your process of how you do things and then that becomes your, your way of doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's yeah, totally. I mean, the thing is, I I did a I'm I did my own course on learning Ableton for uh, DJs, so that it's basically a course on making DJ edits, bootlegs, remixes. Because I think a lot of DJs want to get into like editing their own tracks and coming up with remixes for their sets, but they don't necessarily want to go down the whole route of learning music production. Mm, and yeah. that is a really steep hill, like to learn all that kind of stuff, just to do like just to extend the track or, you know, to do this. And so I kind of start off from that angle. And I think if you kind of, um, I, I, yeah, in my, my, my course is more about kind of doing something at the end of every chapter. So even if it's just achieving, like making an extended edit of a track, yep. you only use this, you only learn the skills that you need to, to do that rather than learning the whole of the software, which just takes so long and most people give up because it's too confusing. Yeah, I've yeah. started working through that course that you have on Udemy. Uh, it's really well put together. I'm really enjoying it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've had some really great feedback and I think it's kind of tapped into a lot of people who maybe have found other courses a bit too uh, complicated. Mm -hmm. um, and, and people always say that it's because it's, it's, it's easily kind of explained. And I think the reason because that is because I've never learned... Uh, I've never done like a music engineering degree or anything else like that. I mean, a lot of the terms that I know for stuff that I've just picked up over time and a lot of it's kind of just, you know, well, tweak this knob, it makes it sound better because it's just through experience yeah, rather yeah. than nece necessarily knowing the science. Well, always it. tweak the filter. Always got to tweak that filter. <laughs> John loves that filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, John, John doesn't stop using the filter. Oh, get I'm a big fan yeah. of the filter. <laughs> <laughs> 
Filter addict. That's your. That should be a new alias for you, John. The filter oh, addict. Oh, that's, that's, I'm, that's a keeper. I'm keeping that one. The filter <laughs> addict. Definitely. <laughs> Gonna go I solo. Registering that. <laughs> the Knutsons are no more. We're broken up. John's gone solo. It's a filter addict. <laughs> <laughs> How was it you got started, Richie? What was it kind of inspired you to, to even attempt production? Then where where did it kind of begin for you? Then what were we talking about those early programs like uh, EJ and? I think it was Music 2000 on the PlayStation from yeah. many, many, many moons ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was all those kind of like really cheap kind of, um, yeah, music making software, which was basically just a bunch of loops that you dragged <laughs> onto a page and put them all together. There was nothing really, there was never really kind of composing. It was just kind of just chucking stuff together and it probably sounded terrible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I did, I went to, I went to uni and I did a, a media degree. So I had a whole, um, you know, I had a whole cross section of video and photography and, really? and graphics and music, music was part of that. And, I, and one of my, my music tutor on that, um, he really got me thinking outside the box on kind of music. And I think he kind of spurred me on a little bit more. I mean, I was making like weird edits of, TV jingles and stuff like that. It was just weird. I kind of just, I, when I first started, it was more a case of, I've got these this software, let's just chuck some stuff into it and see, what, <laughs> see how it sounds. Yeah. And I'd like, I'd just play it for my brother and it'd make him laugh. And I'd be, that was kind of, that's how I kind of started with music production. But it wasn't until, I suppose, I started, um, I, suppose, I suppose when I first started playing like gigs, that uh, like DJ gigs, because I started DJing around about the same time. When I started playing DJ gigs, I realized I, well, I was playing in a commercial club and I realized I couldn't get uh, dance edits of commercial tracks. There yeah. wasn't so many that many great remixes around. So I ended up just like, editing them together. And that was kind of, I was doing that for about five years, just making edits of commercial tracks that I could play out. And some of those kind of did, those were all over the internet and yeah. um, radio at the time and stuff. But it was just mm-hmm. through the fact that I needed something to play out in the clubs and there was it wasn't there, so I kind of just started making my own stuff. I think it was around about the time when, uh, like, CD players started being being used in clubs. Mm-hmm. We could use writable CDs to kind of finely play stuff rather than having to get a dub plate done or you know yeah, yeah. a set of set of five hundred vinyls, you know, which is not cheap. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah. have um, that would have been pre Ableton as well. That would have been before Ableton as well. Uh, yeah, that was so. I made most of my stuff in. Um, uh, Sony Acid. Do you remember Acid? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't really use it that much. I think I'd use it a couple of times, but I didn't really get into it. Yeah, Acid, Acid was a great program. It was originally by a company called Sonic Foundry, and then Sony bought it. Um, but actually, some of the team, some of the team that was that worked on Acid, uh, went to go and like they started up and made Ableton. Like they were the they right. kind of stuff. That's why it's kind of got a very similar kind of feel. It was all about. It was mostly about samples. It was mostly about working with audio. It did have some MIDI support, but it was mostly about audio. So it was great for edits and things like that. Yep. And um, yeah, so Ableton was like this natural progression. So, Ableton yeah, was a I bit mean, of a game changer when it came out, really. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah, I think I remember it's the Sony one. amazing bit of software. Yeah, I remember the Sony one. It was a lot of sample packs with it. Sony's own packs came with it and stuff, wasn't it? There was a lot of packs that, like you say, it was more audio based rather than the MIDI itself. 
Yeah, yeah, and you can still get you can still get those um, sample CDs around. I've got a whole I've got a whole collection of EJ CDs and Sony CDs. <laughs> yeah. Like you can you can buy them on like eBay and Amazon and stuff, and they they come loaded with thousands and thousands of samples. Yeah. We, uh, Every now and again, one of those samples will work its way into one of my tracks. Now, <laughs> <laughs> we we used to make up like it was on Music Two Thousand PlayStation. And it was uh, me and my brother would make hip hop beats, and my mate would rap to it. And I thought it was Dr. Dre for a while, but honestly, it was just like, look, just look, hey, the beats were already pre made. We were sitting bopping our heads, thinking we were I Dr. Dre in the studio, basically. But really, Music 2000 laid down the beats for us, you know. But inspired, it was inspiring. It's amazing how many of those early programs inspired people when you, you look at the names now and you ask them what their early influences were. And it's quite incredible how many people are actually influenced by just starting out on those. Yeah, I think and I think what helped is they they were really easy to use, and I think yeah, that's yeah. what got people the bug into doing it, and then they kind of just worked their way up from there. Yeah, mm-hmm. they realised they had a lot to learn to get to Doctor Dre level, really, didn't they? There was a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the whole plan with like Apple and like them giving away Garage Band now because yeah. it's, it's obviously a stripped down version. And it's free as long as you got a Mac, and then you know you can kind of really get your foot in the door of like making music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so accessible now compared to what it was like fifteen or twenty years ago. It's you can anybody can start, you know, get started fairly quickly now. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. Uh, I think it's. I think it's really good. I mean, uh, people, a lot of people kind of get um, get annoyed with the fact that oh, anybody can download some loops, chop them together, and make a track. And yes, there is loads. There are loads of tracks that are released just like that. But still, the cream of the crop still comes through. You know, yeah. you still have people who have a proper original, you know, melodic content. You know, the proper hooks, the real, you know, the real quality of a track. But they still come through. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just yeah, it's just got to you've got to delve for them a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, okay, what kind of advice would you give to people that are like looking to get started or looking to sort of take things to that next next level? What, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that's, that's at that point? I think it's just a case of just starting. Like if you're thinking about it, doing it, don't think about, oh, you know, I've got to do this course, I've got to do that course. Just plunge, just go straight into it. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to be great. As, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of, well, I don't want to kind of show myself up. I don't want to look, I don't want to, you know, I don't want everybody to hear my, you know, my rubbish that, you know, I'm coming out with because you will be rubbish when you first start. You're rubbish when you start anything. Yeah. Like when you first got into a car, when you learned to drive, you were rubbish and you didn't know how to do it. But you had lessons and you kept on with it. You kept practicing and you passed your test. And so much so that, you know, when you're driving, you don't even think about it anymore. And that's the same for music production. You know, you just got to get in, got to get, get in the car and start driving it yeah. and just, you know, play around with it. No, and, and I don't think, and I think a lot of people kind of, a lot of people are very kind of fixed in their way of thinking there is one way to do it. And I think where you touched on earlier, yeah. you know, it doesn't. You can attack, you can attack it from any direction and yeah. make whatever you want to. You know, just go in there and just have fun with it. And then if anything comes out of it, then that's great. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's good. yeah I think social media gives that illusion that it's uh, is quite instant for people, whereas most people yeah. have been chipping away for a long, long time. They've got to that level, so a lot of people coming through now, they look and think, "Well, hopefully, I'll wake up tomorrow and have a couple hundred thousand hits on this track and stuff." But the majority of people keep chipping, like you say, just keep chipping away, get started, and just and stick it out and see where it goes for you. 
Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, there are, there are always other ways to get around it. So, I mean, obviously hiring an engineer to kind of do the track for you will give you a track that is already very great. Um, but obviously, you can only get so far with that before you realize that you probably have to do some stuff yourself or you're going to be paying out for an engineer for the rest of your life because you need to kind of back it up. You need to kind of come up with the next track. Yeah. Because it's no good in just having one track. You need to follow it up with another one. So, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, before I was always kind of a bit, a bit wary and a bit kind of, I suppose, a little bit judgmental in my own head about um, maybe engineers and that kind of role in, in ghost, ghost producing. Yeah. But it, it depends. I mean, there's so many really kind of, I, you've got to be everything in this game. You've got to be, you know, a, you know, a, a talented DJ. You've got to be amazing on socials. You know, you've got to be able to get your foot in the door. You've got to be able to kind of talk yourself up. You've got to be able to get your gigs. You know, and you've also got to learn how to make music and, you know, and, and all that that entails. I mean, I spend 90% of my time in the studio working hard and I'm only just kind of getting the kind of tracks that I would want to out of it, let alone, you know, having to do all the other stuff, which is why I don't always have a raft of gigs because I, yeah. you know, concentrate loads of time on the studio. So, and, you know, DJs wanting that extra help that somebody can come in and help them realize what they want. So, um, I mean, it, it's, there's still no excuse for it. You can still learn at any point. You can still pick up Ableton, you can pick up GarageBand, whatever you want to, whatever you've got in front of you, whatever you can get hold of, yep. you can still pick it up and just have a go with it and play around with it. Yeah, you've got to be juggling many plates these days, I think, don't you? And just being all, all, all different kind of marketing and things like that it can get a bit yeah. overwhelming, I think, in times. But because uh, I, I was kind of hoping possibly to have a bit more time off work and possibly another lockdown, to be totally honest with you, to try and chip away at this to-do list and try and get some things done. Yeah. But uh, it's not likely because I think somebody's granny got a vaccine today and it's looking like it's uh, we're hopefully on the way out of this. Silver lining and all that, but I was kind of hoping for a bit more time, Richie, to be honest, to try and chip away at this to-do list, but it's not looking good, is it? At least we can get back out and start DJing <laughs> again, though. So that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I think everybody's, everybody's looking forward to that. Yeah. How, have, how you got, um, have you got next? things lined up for next year, Richie, like DJ-wise and gigs? I, I tell you what, all, all gigs I had obviously were all cancelled, and I think still people are still very wary about about booking anything at the moment. Yeah. There's a lot of talks about venues having like COVID policies and, and, and non-refundable deposits and things like that. And I think a lot of promoters are put off by that. I know a few of them that are, you know, have, have kind of booked me, have kind of pushed it and pushed it. I think it's looking like my gigs. I mean, they might still come in if you know if everything's good by summer. You never know; the the gigs will probably pour in. But mm -hmm. I think a lot of promoters are still being quite wary and and saying, you know, maybe maybe you know August, you know October next year, maybe that might yeah. be when we're starting to feel kind of comfortable. And cause that's another thing. It's like if we all get vaccinated tomorrow, that's great. But when do we become comfortable in kind yeah. of you know just coming out and doing what we do would do before? Yeah, there's always going to be that bit of wariness right now, isn't there? I think there's going to be like a lot of people that yeah. when the vaccine does come through, they'll still be quite wary to go out and kind of get involved in these things again. So it's, it's probably going yeah. to affect things for quite a while yet, even when we do start getting back out again. Yeah, I can understand. I can understand everybody wants to do it because, I mean, it's yeah. fun. You know, you want to do it, but... Yeah, I guess it's. I, I'm I'm always a cautious person anyway, and like you say, I mean, for 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 producing nerds like myself, like the lockdown hasn't been that bad. It's mm. been yep. it's been pretty much work as normal, except you know my weekends are now free, so you know 
Yeah. It was actually a lot of producers we spoke to said they've never been busier. <laughs> they just were yeah. constantly had work coming in because they were in the studio all the time. It's very true. I mean, it's concentrated amount of time. And I think, I suppose those DJs that, you know, that that have been having it good and that have been kind of really working away on their their, their gigs and stuff are, are finally at a stage where they can start thinking about what they're going to do next. And that's why I guess engineers are very busy at the moment. It's a good thing. You know, I think everybody's been benefiting at the moment so um you know i think i think next year we'll hear some amazing music like yeah. i think a lot of people are holding on to stuff at the moment yeah, i can't wait yeah. to hear what's going to come out yeah, yeah it's going amazing. to be incredible for sets out even live music live bands those first concerts are just going to be something really special aren't they next year i think when we finally get out of here and get going again Although I think I'll always be yeah. scared. See if anyone comes in with about two metres of me, I'll probably still shout at them like five, five years from now. I'll probably still have it built into me <laughs> to tell people to get back. Yeah. It's kind of built into us now. It's got to that point. <laughs> just, just wondering about the club where a hazmat suit on. <laughs> I, I, I think it's made us a little bit paranoid, actually. I mean, I, I still, yeah. like, I've been going to like a couple of shops recently, just to like the essential shops and just, like if people get too close to me, it's kind of it's kind of no, no, no. And like, I, I, I hate the fact that it's done that. I never had that before, but now I've got this kind of inbuilt kind of reflex. Where I'm like, no, two meters, two meters. I still find it quite strange to walk about in a crowded store with a mask on. It's just it's really yeah. surreal. It's always some little granny that comes up that's the one that would probably be the worst off if they got it. They come brushing past you. You're like, I've got to get back. I'm doing it for your, yeah. for your benefit here. <laughs> so it seems to be that way, but it's, it has built into us now, I think. Just to, to, it'd be funny to take a little while to shake this off, I think, wouldn't it? Yeah. It was the thing. It, it's unprecedented at the moment. We haven't had anything like this before. So I think anybody can be forgiven for however they react to it i mean some people are just aching to get out again and some people are going to be really really wary about you know going back to normal so it's just it's one of those things i think it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of counseling after all this counselors are going to do very very well yeah <laughs> just to ask you as well richie just a slight change of subject um we need to ask you about the name dirty secrets where, where does that come from is there a story behind that um, well, I mean, it, the thing is, like, obviously, it sounds. I mean, it does sound like more than one person, and it was when I first started. When we first started, it was actually a duo. Um, so I was, I was mostly production, and I was doing some DJing. And I met a DJ, and uh, she was doing really well. She was, she was massive on the scene in Leicester, and um, we kind of just started. You know, we were gigging a, around the same time, or we started playing back to back. And it, and it was just kind of cool. We kind of, you know, kind of really gelled. And we thought, well, let's do a duo. And we kind of came, I don't even know how we came up with the name Dirty Secrets. It was just literally one night after a load of drinks. Mm -hmm. And there was no real kind of magic moment where it kind of came to us. It was just like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. Now that's and when you like, get the best uh, ideas. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And like, and, 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 and we were cool. So we put a Z on the end of it, you know. We, it was one of those things. It was just kind of one of those moments. And like, I mean, it was a duo for about, about a year, maybe just over a year, but then she decided to kind of step back for it, from it because she wanted, uh, she wanted to become a, a tattoo artist and she's an amazing tattoo artist now. She's, she's done all my arm and everything else like that. Yeah. She's, she's fantastic. Um, but yeah, she decided to step back and I obviously by that time, I put a whole load of releases out. So I was like, well, I'm going to keep the name and yeah. just keep on with it. And so it's been, yeah, it's been very secrets for over what well, myself on my own for at least 10 years now. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's, been, it's been busy. 
was just when John sent over the message and it came through his dirty secrets. I was thinking, John, where's this going? What, what, what kind of text is this? <laughs> what, what you want to talk about on Zoom with me tonight? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's one of the it's one of those things that, that like I, uh, it's one of those things that always leads to the question in in like interviews like what are your dirty secrets? <laughs> and, you know. No, no, no the mention there, Richie. I think I give enough of them on my YouTube channel, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's just it's one of those names that I've just kind of. Always. I mean, I've got I do have some new stuff in the pipeline, which um, will probably be under a different alias. So uh, I'm still with Dead Secrets. I'm still like putting stuff out as Dead Secrets. I think I, will, I always will do because that's. I've got a sound and that's kind of a secret kind of sound, but there will be some new stuff that I'll be doing under a different alias. Is that soon, a different so. type of sound that you're going for with the different alias? I think it's, it's more listening music rather than clubbing music rather than, rather than bangers. It's actually, cause I've, I found I've always kind of fought against myself where I always like to kind of almost write a song. Like whenever I get a remix through, I'll use all the vocal cause I love having vocal in a track and yeah. that, because I, I, I feel more, I like to write something that's memorable and I want to write a song rather than just a club track. Yep. Um, so, the, yeah, the Dirty Secret stuff, I mean, I could keep with that, but I think it would make more sense to do it out on a new alias. Mm. And I'm also going to be working with some singers and things like that, stuff that I've not really done much before with as Dirty Secret. So just to kind of keep that clear boundary between mm. the two. Yeah. Awesome. Um, am You're I right in saying that you are... Um, a pioneer representative as well with the the technology using stuff. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been working with Pioneer for a good good many years now. I mean, um, yeah, it was. Um, uh, I I have a friend who works with Pioneer, and uh, we've I've always been kind of this evangelist for uh, technical equipment, uh, mm. DJ equipment, anyway. And uh, going back over years, I mean, it's not even on my it's not on my current YouTube channel, but the YouTube channel I had before when YouTube first started, I was actually doing kind of DJ bits on there. Uh, I worked with several companies over the years. And um, yeah, the I have a friend that worked um, that was working at Pioneer. He's worked his way up as time's gone on, and he mm. he kind of knew that I was I was still into you know into my gear and stuff like that. And he kind of got me involved with it. And I kind of yeah, I've just had a really tight relationship with them mm. since. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the main bit of kit that I always kind of talk about is the DJS One Thousand, their sampler. Yeah. And I kind of did the show. I did the uh, first showcase video for that, which was. You know, which is really cool. I really, really love doing that. And I think it's because yeah, I do see myself as a producer DJ and bringing those kind of production elements into your set is yeah. just really cool. Um, so as soon as they kind of like launched that, I was like, yes, that is, that is everything. That is everything that I want. So, um, yeah, it's been a privilege kind of getting involved in that. And that's just kind of led on to other things. So, mm. yeah, I've kind of just been working with them ever since. In fact, I've got... Um, the, the synth they made, the AS1, um, I've got a preset pack coming out for that within the uh, next week. Have they made that synth? So I've been kind of, I'm still working with them quite a bit on that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I do have it here actually. I'll just conveniently reach the other side of my studio. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, it, okay. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. It, it's this little thing. So it's, yeah, it's the AS1. It's this tiny, dinky little synth. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a, 
It's it's a mono synth. It's got like Dave Smith filters in and everything else like that. But it's really? got a wonderfully kind of warm sound, and it's great for bass. It's mm-hmm. so good for bass. Well, awesome. that's interesting. That's interesting to see Pioneer reaching out with with these with the, the synth world because it's so popular again. But the hardware seems to be making a a, a comeback again now, doesn't it? Yeah, I, it certainly does. I think it's it's strange because I mean, it's a lot. Obviously, I think I think it's because you can, like you've touched on it. You can just get the software and you can produce you can produce the whole track just in software, and it's so yeah. easy to do that. So I think. Some people to kind of stand out a bit are now going back into getting instruments and external equipment. Yeah, so it yeah. makes them sound different and makes them stand out. So yeah, there's, there's a big, a big push in it at the moment. So it's um, it's great to see. It's nice to kind of see that kind of hardware coming back again. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, like having that on like while you're doing your set as well, as you say, just that gives, gives it that extra dramatic effect to the whole performance you're putting on. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is, I mean, um, I mean, you can just. You, I mean, you've seen. I mean, DJs over the years. You know, you, you can just mix on two decks, but obviously, there's been DJs. You know, mix on three decks, four decks. Use effects units. You know, mm-hmm. DJs who use laptops and stuff. And I think it's just a natural level evolution of you know where stuff is going. And I think you just want to. It's just nice to kind of bring some live stuff into the set. I mean, I think a lot. There's been an argument. There's an argument all the time that DJs become too easy, and I think if we're going to bring like syncing into it and everything else like that, then if it's saving you time from like obviously beat matching, then you can probably do some other stuff whilst you know in that time that you're saving. So having those kind of production units where you can lay some layer some samples over the top, it's just it's cool. I think it's brilliant. I think it's the future. It keeps things interesting for the DJ as well, you know, when they're always kind of getting to be more creative on the set and when they're working the decks. Yeah, I think so. Especially if you're a duo. I mean, there's nothing worse than if you are going back to back with somebody, you're just standing around for six minutes while like, oh, they're mixing in a track. the coffees. <laughs> yeah. Ice teas. Ice teas, John. Yeah. I mean, I mean, God, I mean, with, with like, like DJing has become really quite easy to do now. I mean, obviously there is still song selection and everything which kind of really makes a set. But if you're a duo, then, you know, there's going to be a lot of time where one one person is not going to be doing too much. So it's great to be able to have that extra level of something that they can do and, you know, bring something to a set. And and also it's kind of cool just to have a live element rather than necessarily everything being kind of pre-recording, having something that's kind of different every single time. Mm -hmm. I think that's really cool. Paul, Paul, I've done one of those pioneer since. (laughs) <laughs> with the with the DJ DJ duels, I find that I find it interesting just to uh, change John's pitch or his tempo, just as he's on the decks and he doesn't actually realise that I'm completely wrecking his mix for him. Did you realise that before, John? Oh, uh, well, not before, but I do now. I'm going to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I keep entertained by a back to back. You always leave me the, the worst ones to mix as well. <laughs> you always hold those mixes well together, considering I'm changing the the tempo behind your back. <laughs> It's a challenge for you, John. <laughs> no, I think um, the Pioneer have got a really great ecosystem as well with all the technology they've put out there because they're really caring for everybody from the person that's just starting um, to like total professionals like yourself that are showcasing the kind of high-end products as well. They've got, and everything seems to be well integrated together. You know, it's like when you go from one unit onto another one, it's not like a whole new massive learning curve. Everything's going to make sense. 
Yeah, I think it. I think it's great for, especially with the yeah, the all-in-one controllers are fantastic for people coming through, like young DJs and stuff. It's still not cheap, but it's cheaper than getting a full club system. And yeah. I think, like you say, like you say, I mean, it's pretty much got the same controls there. So if you did walk into a club, you know, it's it's going to be, it's not going to be as as difficult to kind of pick it up. Like yeah. when I first started DJing, when I first started DJing, I had belt drive you know, turntables at home and you walk into a club and they've got technics and that's like a whole different experience. Yeah. And of course, if you haven't got a pair of technics then, or direct drives, then you're completely screwed because it's a completely different way of, you know, you know, touching the record and you can't, you know, you can be a bit more harder with it. Yeah, you always had to be drive. very gentle with the belt drives. It was like, just, just blowing up. <laughs> exactly. I went, when I first got out to clubs and I was using the Technics, I was like, I'd be really kind of gentle with them. And everyone just, you know, you could almost just spot a belt drive DJ from a mile off. Cause yeah. like, you can just see them just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, Took a bit of strength, a bit of strength to pull that platter back, I think, didn't it? When you first went on it, it's like, wow, it t- took you with it. Yeah. Took a, it took it a few to make carrier Technics 1210. <laughs> <laughs> That's so heavy. Yeah. yeah. It is crazy. And I remember turning up at a venue and they had the uh, the Newmark uh, decks. Was, was it Newmark? I think it was Newmark decks. And it, they were direct drives and and that was a whole different experience as well. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, and, and, it, and it, can take a, it can take a great DJ, a fantastic DJ, and make them sound terrible because, yeah. you know, it's just a completely different experience. But I think with the, yeah, with the Pioneer decks and stuff, I think, you know, everything kind of works hand in hand. Even if you've just got a basic controller and you're using the Rekordbox software, yeah. you can still, you've still got the same kind of stuff, same idea when yeah. you walk into, you know, a pair of CJs. So, yeah, yeah it's not too... Even with the entry level controllers now, like the actual the functionality you get with an entry level controller is actually a lot, a lot more than what you had like 15, 20 years ago with two record decks and a mixer. And yeah. it's, it's a fraction of the cost as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, the, the controllers you can get for dirt, dirt cheap. And even if you went, even if you got, even when you know, went for a, it's like a, a, a previous generation one off of eBay. You know, you're talking nothing for them these days. I mean, you just got all you need is a decent laptop, a half decent laptop with record box yeah. on, and you've got all the functionality really enough to kind of at least get an idea of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Can we thank just thank Pioneer right now? Thank you, Pioneer, for making our lives <laughs> so, so much easier than what it was before. Because me and John were just talking about that the other night. I was saying to John when you turned up to the club and there was an Allen and Heath mixer with about eight channels and five of them were f- falling off and there was bits all missing and you were just There's looking at it for your first couple of gigs and you just wanted to cry. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? Basically, you know what I mean? You've spent hours and days and months learning the, your own equipment and then you turn up at the club to something that's had a few beers spilled on it and the faders are falling off and it's just like, so thank you, Pioneer. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. <laughs> made life a lot there still seems to be this divide, though, between Pioneer and Allen and Heath. I mean, the yeah. amount of DJs, especially tech house DJs, for some reason, like uh, I, a number of number of them that I talk to, they always prefer the Allen and Heath mixers, and I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure why. Yeah. I really don't quite I really don't quite know. Um, I've always been a Pioneer person, and you know, yeah. um, l- luckily it's kind of it is kind of industry standard. You've got to got to you've got to go go out your way to get an Allen and Heath mixer in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know how. I. I don't even know how ideal if I had an Alan Heath mixer in front of me now. I'd be. Yeah. 
I'd be there for about five, 10 minutes trying to figure out what it does. <laughs> what it does. <laughs> yeah, so I always got, I always got annoyed by the way that they used to cue the headphones in, on Alan. Yeah. It was a really strange way of doing that. Yeah. I think I've only tried them once or twice, but it was a long time ago. I can't even really kind of remember how to, how it was usable. Yeah, I remember them being fun in games. I remember learning that the hard way, John. I told you about that one when I flicked the fader over and thought I'd mixed it perfectly for the other track, but I'd turned the wrong fader up. It was just it was just silence on the on the one that I thought was about to play. And it was and it sounded great in the headphones though. It sounded beautiful in the headphones. Not so much in the club though. <laughs> but I think that's it. Yeah, I think just just uh, simplifying the equipment has made things and like you say, free up a bit more time to to focus on other things, really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, exactly. I think I think this is the thing. I mean, uh, a lot of lot lot of people kind of. I suppose the the old school, the old school that have learned how to mix. You know, um, you know, to beat mix. You know, with vinyl. You know, the the hard way. Those those yeah. are the people that kind of get annoyed by sync. Um, but I really don't think that beat matching is as big a skill as they think with DJing. I think it's one of those things that yes, I mean it's it's fantastic. You can do it, and you can be put on to a you know to to a, some vinyl and you can mix and you can go on to CDJs and you can mix mm-hmm. but you're very rarely going to be put to that test you know you, you'll be put in a club where you've got some CDJs and you can just use them uh, the only the only argument I, I have for it is that if you are going to use things like sync then you better be doing some other stuff with your time yeah yeah doing it because you're lazy then <laughs> yeah. it's yeah it's a bit of a poor show I really yeah. um, but I think is I, I don't I, 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 I honestly don't use sync between two CDJs, like this, I know the facilities there, and I, you know, I kind of see it, and but I never, I never usually use it. The only time I ever use it is when yeah. I have the DJS, and I will have that synced to whatever deck is yeah. playing, just okay. because I've got all the samples there. I don't want them to run out of time. You know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm doing complex things with that. I don't want it to go out of sync. If you're, if you're making a track in Ableton, imagine. Imagine trying to beat match twelve different layers at the same time as composers. Yeah. It's like, why would you do it? Like, can you imagine Chemical Brothers with their massive setup, yeah. and every single element is just running out of time? It would just be, <laughs> it would be a stupid thing to do. Those shows would be so, completely um, different. Yeah, that's why. I, yeah, exactly. It would just, it would just be, it'd be very random. It would be very uh, <laughs> avant-garde, I think. But um, yeah. At least it would look like you're putting the effort in, though. <laughs> you're trying to do Set something. Up sweat. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> That's like DJ nightmares right there. Isn't it? I'm the same, though. Like, I, st- I still like to beat match. Just, I-, I feel like you listen to the music a lot more and you get a bit more into it just by matching those, those beats. Like, and it doesn't really take you that long anymore either. Like, once you've, once you've kind of got that skill, you can do it fairly quickly. I just find that I listen to it a bit more intensely when I'm matching the beats at the start. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The thing I find funniest at the moment is that the DJs that are coming through at the moment are learning on the standalone bits of kit. And the standalone bits of kit only have one screen and it actually shows both tracks on them. So they actually kind of visually look at the tracks as they're playing and match them up oh, visually yeah. rather than with their ears. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you find you'll you find a whole load of DJs coming through at the moment that visually mix rather than necessarily with their ears. Yeah. So when they do come to using individual like CDJs, it is a little bit harder. But whenever I was kind of going through and we were teaching them, I'd always put, I'd always cl- kind of clear the screen. So I put it on browse mode. So it was browsing for the next track. <laughs> yeah. So they couldn't see the two waveforms side by side. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
because if you if they do that then they're kind of then they're not relying on their ears they're just relying on visuals you can't like you say you can't always do that yeah, you need to kind a, of learn how to apply your ear to, to train their ear ah uh, interesting yeah it's one of those things it's one of those one of those problems that has come up with advances of technology <laughs> the advances of technology have helped but they've also given us a new hurdle to get over because if you don't have that screen then you're not going to be able to mix you know people are going to really struggle yeah, I think strange but taking the best from modern technology because I, I do a little bit of like, scratching on the CDJs but I actually like to look at the sample but when it comes to mixing like John says I'll, I'll do it by ear just from the old habits of doing it because when we do a wee bit of cutting and things I find that I get into the groove better with the cutting and stuff because your ears have already attuned to what's each song's playing kind of thing you know I, I couldn't cut between songs just looking at a waveform because you're kind of just cutting and hoping yeah. cutting between it and hoping it's going to you know something if you're hearing it already you know all ah, right i know that's going to go next for cutting it back yeah. forward you know so it's yeah it's just try to use technology but not rely on it completely all right how about the new um the new kind of cdj way where you can see the needle on the record have you tried that out no no wow just you know, well, on, on, on the C, uh, CDJ 3000s and on the um, uh, the uh, XDJ ZX, X, sorry, XZ, the all-in-one unit, actually in the middle of the jog wheel is a readout, which actually shows a needle going round, so you can kind of see the starting position of it, and you can see it against the Q marker, so you can actually... Is, that on, the, is that on the TDJ 1000 as well? I think. Uh, might be. I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah, I've got the 900s. I think that I think I know what you're talking about there, Richie. I think that's the same. It's just the line that will go round on the, in the middle of the platter, basically. Just yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is handy. I must say that is really handy. That's a good feature. I was going to say that's like the old that's like the old vinyl days where you used to put like a sticker on the record so you can kind of see where your points were for yeah. for scratching. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, that is handy. I do, I do like that. I like just getting it, like, uh, not relying on it completely, but just a quick cue point and finding the samples a lot easier rather than trying to look at grooves on a record and skip the needle forward to find it, you know. But it's quite incredible yeah. how, how responsive the actual the, the Pioneer uh, decks are for scratching. Because I said to John, and some some viewers might hate me for this, but I actually kind of prefer scratching on them and scratching on records. And that just, it's got its, it's got its benefits there because it's so fine and the platter's so light that it's incredible how fast you can actually scratch with it compared to looking at a Technics platter back and forward with a record on it, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you've also got the control how heavy or how light it is. So yeah. you can actually adapt it to your own your own way of playing. I think the, the cue points are a big thing as well. So being able to just load up your cue points so you're ready to start scratching from those points rather than, like you said a second ago, when you were trying to put the, the bits of stickers on the record label and yeah. stuff. <laughs> that must have taken a, a mm. long time back in the day. <laughs> I, I think also yeah. having a double... Well, there's some, there are... Sorry, Rich, on you go. No, I was just going to say about, uh, I mean, the thing is, like, we, with you've also got uh, the instant doubles now on quite a lot of the Pioneer equipment, yeah. where you hold down one button, and it's instantly loaded the same track on the other deck at the same point, so you can mm -hmm. kind of start beat juggling, which is just amazing. That's just, the fact that yeah, it's instantly there is so cool. Yeah, that is from you're not, you're not no, paying Pioneer are just too good to us, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, brilliant. Now we'll not keep you too much longer, Richie. Just before we kind of wrap things up, I've, I've seen you've had a new, a few new releases out that seem to be getting supported by 
a lot of a lot of top names, uh, Sam Devine and uh, Jess Bays. I noticed a, a lot of support from there from the Kiss FM show. What, what have you got coming up? What have you got re- had out recently, and what have you got coming up then? Well, that I say that that uh, compilation is out at the moment. So I've done a compilation for King Street Records. It's one of their sub labels called Street King. And um, I've had a few releases on there and they kind of approached me. They wanted me to put a compilation together, pick, um, you know, a selection of the back catalogue and also uh, do some original content for it. So I did, uh, yeah, so I did a a brand new remix of Cubico's uh, Feel Good, which which is a bang and that kind of really works. Um, And then I also fantastically got the opportunity to remix Dennis Ferreira's church lady which originally because i was I, I included the original on the compilation i wanted that to go on the compilation and they said well do you want to remix it and have the remix on there instead and i was like i'll, I'll give it a go <laughs> but like obviously remix 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 yeah the thing is it was it was one of those things it was like it was um it, it's almost like a don't meet your heroes kind of thing i was kind of i got the i got all the parts for it and i was like I don't know whether I can actually do this justice. I was really kind of doubting myself whether it's something I could actually do. And it took me, it took me a little while even to start it because I was, I think I was overthinking about like what I needed to do for it, but I got there in the end. I think the support that I've got so far on it seems to be, seems to be going down quite well. So yeah, that compilation's out now that's out on all the major stores. And then I've also got, um, We've also got a couple of remixes coming out uh, coming up on, on Phoenix and Pogo. Uh, Sorry, you broke up a little bit there, Richie. Can you see that last bit again? Yeah, your signals just broke uh, up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, sure. I've got um, so I've got yeah, so I've got some remixes. I've got a remix coming out on Phoenix Music. Well, coming up on Phoenix Music, um, and then also one on Pogo. Um, those are two are coming probably in the new year and uh, then I'm just working on new originals I'm kind of uh, I'm trying to really kind of sit down and write some some like a whole load of you know decent tracks that I really feel you know good about and like, like we say we've got enough time at the moment that I can actually really spend some good time uh, you know coming up with ideas and then finding out which ones are really the best ones before I go forward so yeah I've got lots of new, lots of new stuff in the pipeline and uh, yeah, probably it'll, probably a lot of it will go out on my label in the year. Right. And where, where can people find out more, Richie? Where can people go to find out more about you and your music then? Um, well, me, uh, anywhere really. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. <laughs> Obviously my YouTube channel I mentioned I've got. But that's more, that, I mean, on my YouTube channel, I kind of concentrate a lot more on my kind of educational stuff, mm-hmm. you know, studio stuff. Like usually um, with the, like, say, for example, the two remixes I've just recently done, I'll be doing like a walkthrough of how I made them on my YouTube channel. So, um, yeah, you can find me on YouTube pretty much anywhere, any social, uh, just uh, type in dead. (laughs) Are you you putting out new tutorials as well and new courses? Um, I, I have been tempted to do another course. I've, uh, on, on how kind of, popular that uh, DJ course has been mm-hmm. I think we've had a I think I've had over 900 students on it now um, so yeah I, I, I'm going to see about following it up but I'm not quite sure what with mm-hmm. so, so that's, that's a great year, course that's had a lot of great it. feedback as well so I think it's is it Udemy that people can go to get involved on that one yeah definitely Udemy uh, it's the, yeah you can either you can find links to it on my probably on my Facebook page I'm, I'm usually posting about it on there or you can find it on my YouTube channel there's a link to it on there 
Um, but yeah, yeah, on Udemy, it's yeah, I think it's one of one, it was one of or it still is one of the highest rated ones on there. So if you go into the music uh, production category, you should be able to find it in there. Excellent, super. Well, thanks for taking time out, Richie. Have a have a chat with us this evening. It's been unreal. It's a good good chat. It's like uh, three kind of music geeks chat, chatting about music. It's been brilliant. <laughs> it's been great fun. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I can always geek out. I'm always happy to you know talk tech and just rabbit on for a while. It's quite funny because on my YouTube channel, I always get comments. And literally just the other day was uh, a comment underneath one of my videos saying, you talk too much, <laughs> which I thought was, which I thought was great. But, you know, I, it's, it's my channel. I, you know, I, yeah. it's, what I, it's what I do. I, I, you know, if you don't want, if you don't want to see somebody rabbiting on for hours and hours about nothing, then, you know, get Richie, somewhere else. Richie, that person was just having a bad day. Don't take that to heart. They were having a bad day. <laughs> No, that was. There's always someone to have a bad comment on YouTube. Well, they probably didn't even watch any of the tutorials. It's funny. I get them through all the time, and they do make me laugh. It's quite. I find it. I find it funny. No, thanks a lot, Rich. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting. No worries. Thanks very much, Richie. Take care of yourself. Speak to you again soon. All right, Richie. Take care. Catch you on. No worries. Take care, guys. Take it easy.